Welcome to Forest View and welcome to Advent. Yeah, Christmas is starting. I know sometimes it feels early to start in November, but I'm really excited as a community to be able to celebrate Advent together. I just realized that the first time I came and spoke ever to you was at Advent, so it kind of feels like it's been a year now. I was like, wow, it's pretty amazing the first time I got to meet some of you guys. So, um, And what we do here at Forest View every Advent season is go on a mission together. We call this the Magi Mission. This is a mission that's based out of the, the picture of the three wise men or the Magi who, who search and seek out King Jesus. They're on this mission to find Jesus, and they come with three gifts. And so what we want to ask you this year for Magi Mission is to bring three gifts to Jesus, or bring three gifts maybe to others in the name of Jesus. And so I want to just break down our Magi mission this year. We're really excited about this, and we're going to ask that you uh, participate in, in these three elements. The first thing is uh, what we call caroling in Palermo, the carols in Palermo. We're really excited to be able to enter into a community and to inspire a community through song. It's one of the, the times of year where you can actually sing songs about Jesus and people will actually welcome you. They'll open the door up and be excited that you're talking about Jesus with them. And so we want to invite you to come out. This is on December the 13th, and we are going to be meeting here at 6.30. We'll get organized, and we're going to head over across the way and be able to go door-to-door Christmas caroling. I want to point out that feel free, free to bring friends. People like Christmas caroling. Uh, it's one of the ways maybe to, to engage people around you. Like, hey, we're going to go Christmas caroling. You want to come with us? And maybe you'll get taken up on that offer. So please uh, mark that in your calendars, December the 13th. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to ask each other to invest in a community, to bring a gift to a community. And there's two communities in particular which we're going to ask you to look into. We actually have boxes on the back and in, in, on a, these table uh, in the corner there underneath the, the TV screen. And there's two communities. The first one is our next door community in Aldershot. We're going to be collecting uh, grocery cards. And we're going to be able to help uh, feed some of the people in that community, uh, help support Angie there. So please uh, bring in grocery cards. We're, we want to get a bunch of the $25 cards and be able to supply that to the people down in Aldershot. Thirdly, we're going to ask you to invite your neighbors into the Advent spirit. And so what that means is maybe hosting a party. Some of you want to do it big. I was talking with a group before. They had this big, they call it a soup fest. They have a whole bunch of people coming around from the neighborhood. You might want to do a little bit smaller. Maybe it's just the new neighbors next door. You say, hey, you want to come in and have a coffee? Maybe you want to do it Secret Santa style or share some eggnog and some gingerbread. However you want to do it, what we're asking you is to be conscious about going and inviting your neighbors somehow into the Christmas story. All right, so we're going to ask you to come and inspire people with carols, to invest in the community, uh, and also to be able to uh, invite your neighbors into this. Oh, I forgot the second point. The other group that we're going to be supporting in terms of investing in community, that we're, we're collecting money or donations. We're writing out checks to Iris Ministry to donate bikes to Malawi. So uh, our global mission teams, we, as a church, we support uh, ministry in Malawi and Africa. And so if we donate enough money, we get to, I think it's $180 for a bike. So we want to be able to donate a, a bunch of those bikes, at least 10 of them, uh, into the community and be able to actually inspire and kind of help people live uh, their lives in a, in a way that's really exciting for them to have this bike. It's a, it's, a, it's a real blessing beyond what we could probably imagine in our context. So those are three ways which we are going to be magis. Right? We're going to go on a Magi mission and be able to give our gifts in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Now, we are starting a new series for Advent called In Search of a King. And that's what the Magi were doing. If you really think about it, there are these 
foreign stargazing astronomers, astrologers, whatever you want to call them, these magi from different land, and they look at the sky and they see a star, and they recognize this is the star of a king, not just any king, a king that they need to seek and find, because this is the king who will bring hope and joy and peace and love to the world. And so they go on their little mission, and as they start seeking after and searching after this king, they end up realizing this is going to be the king of the Jews. And they end up in Israelite territory. And what they might not know right off the bat, they start to discover after they've been searching, is that this king that they're looking for isn't just any king. This is a king that the people in this land have been hoping for for over 500 years. We're talking about 600 years of being kingless. In these days, having a king wasn't just like a nice government to have. It was a lot bigger than that. A king was the identity of a nation. It represented the the strength of a nation. If you didn't have a king, then how could you even say that you were a nation? And so these kings, these three kings are searching out this greater king, and and they're going looking for a king, and they're looking for a king who has been predicted by their prophets. And one of these prophets was a prophet named Jeremiah. And he actually lived at the end of the reign of the kings of Israel. And so this prophet Jeremiah is dealing with the last two kings of Israel. And he makes some predictions, some bold prophecies about a king that we continue to look forward to. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my flock. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away, have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of the flock out of the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. And I'll place shepherds over them who will tend them. And they will no longer be afraid or terrified. Nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his last days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Like I said, the king is the the symbol of the nation. It reminds me of uh, a European king of France who said, Le state est moi. I am the state. That's how people thought of kings, especially back in this ancient day. And now we hear Jeremiah predicting that the kings will cease to be. Jeremiah lived in the the reign of two kings, Jeconiah and Zedekiah. And both of these kings end up giving us a picture of what what was wrong with Israel and what Israel was going to be longing for. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. 
Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away, have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil that you have done. This is a harsh word coming from a prophet. He's speaking to two kings, actually, who claim to be over Israel, or Judah, what was left, because we know the northern kingdom has already been destroyed. And so now this is a little remnant left, this little tribe of, of Benjamin, this little tribe of Judah together sitting with a king, and at least they have a king, and now we're hearing, no, your king will end. In fact, he curses Jeconiah like this. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if he was childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Can you imagine being a king and hearing this prophecy come from a prophet? He was probably stewing and stammering, and, and you can imagine he's starting to think, like, I'm going to get this king. Like, J Jeremiah had a lot of kings try to get him. This king didn't have much time. This king, after this prediction, he lasted three months. The king of Babylon came along and plucked him from where he was on his throne and dragged him to Babylon with a whole bunch of noblemen, never to reign again. To replace him, as world superpowers like to do, he installed a puppet king. His name was Zedekiah. This was actually the former king's uncle who was going to play ball. He was obviously wise enough, right, to understand that you couldn't mess with Babylon. And so he becomes installed as king, and he starts reigning over the kingship. You remember Jeremiah understood that the, cap the captivity of Babylon wasn't going to be a short period of time. He understood what was going to happen. And so he's trying to advise this king as well. And this king doesn't really listen because that's what this king does. He steps up and tries to fight Babylon. Zedekiah didn't have it even as nice as his predecessor. Zedekiah is taken, captivity. The last thing his two eyes ever see is his own sons being executed in front of him. And then his eyes are plucked out. This is the prophecy come true. And now Israel is kingless. Israel is, is shamed. Israel is, is, is hopeless. And yet, Jeremiah gives hope. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified. Nor will they be missing, declares the Lord. There's a pro promise here of return. The God is going to bring them back out of exile. He's going to reverse the above curse and the people will be able to come back. It's a promise for the people. They will be restored it says that they were scattered away and now they're gathered in. They didn't have any care bestowed on by, by these kings and now he will tend and provide for them. And so there's a hope that's welling up in the heart of the people and they do come back from exile. But their hope is not completely delivered. 
Their hope continues because this is what the final sentence was of the prophecy. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David our righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. This passage is something which the Israelites would hold on to. Even as they returned to their land, they never had their king. And they waited and they pined for a true king. You know what? Kings have been put over top of them. Kings from other lands, of other lineage, but never a king from David's line. And so they longed for this king. They, they hoped for this king. This is the king that the Magi searched for. This passage begins with this saying that the days are coming. Jeremiah uses this 16 times in his book. Just, and it's always a promise of hope. It's almost a promise of restoration of some sort, that the, the branch, the Messiah, would return. The promised king will come back. And you know what? This promised king is going to be different than all the other kings. This promised king is going to have characteristics which we ourselves to this day still just hope for and long for. The promised king will reign wisely. I don't know about you, when I look at the news and I see some of the things the leaders say these days, eh, foot in mouth. Even just recently, you're like, this is the leader of this nation? This is the leader of that nation? How in the world can we be run with people lacking such basic wisdom? It says that this king will be just and right. Some of our kings and our leaders today, if we look at them and we look at them and say, like, you know what? If there's one thing I would describe the whole uh, governmental problem, it would be corruption, wouldn't it? Like, at every level, yeah, and we worry, like, I'm sure there's good people that get in there and even, and, and are, are working hard. I, I know that they are. I know there are good people doing it. But at the same time, the system itself, you look at it and you think, oh, like, how many of these people are crooked, are trading favors for their power? How many people are actually thinking about the justice for the people for real, rather than lining their own pockets or elevating their own power? This is one of the difficulties of leadership, and we see it right here that someday we will see someone who's truly just sit in the seat of power. It says that Israel will be saved. It will be rescued from all of its circumstances. And by the way, it's not just jobs and the economy type stuff. This is actual, like the threat of their, their humanity. This is existential threats to them. It talks about safety. When we think about what's going on right now, even in Israel, Right? There's one thing that, that they're clamoring for and wishing for to be safety, right? You have wildfires and, and terrorism. It says that they no longer be terrified or afraid. I wish the day would exist where we wouldn't have terror. Like right now, we're on this war against terror. And it seems like it's going to be impossible to win. I go to a Blue Jays game, and I have to go through multiple 
metal detectors. Why? Because we are terrified. One day, a king will come who will remove the terror from our lives. And then it says that this king will be called a righteous savior. And I believe this is a, a direct kind of comparison to Zedekiah. Zedekiah's name, the failed king, his name was, my righteousness is Yahweh. And this new king, he is himself going to be the righteousness of the people. This new king will be able to declare us righteous because we will receive his righteousness as he imputes it to us and gives us a clean slate. This is the real king. And this is the, the fulfillment that Jesus came. When they found Jesus, a little baby, they found a king. They found a righteous king. They found a, a king who was going to reign wisely, who would bring safety, who would bring righteousness to us. This is humanity's only hope. And you know what i got to declare today? Is we have found the king. King Jesus. Promised. He was promised to be born, by the way, of David's line. Jesus. This is what the Magi were looking for. These foreigners were looking for a king of the world, and they found him the king of the Jews. The proven, the true, the, the hoped-for king. He fulfilled all these prophecies completely. To the line of even the, remember we heard Jehoiachin? How his, his, he would never have a king sit on the throne? Well, Jesus is not descended from Jehoiachin as of Mary. He is of, jo of Joseph, but he doesn't actually have the blood of Joseph in him. So a king never sat again on the throne from the line of Jehoiachin. Now, you know what? The Magi come to find Jesus, and they come to this land, and guess what? This land already has a king. His name is Herod. Herod's a king. Not only is Herod a king, Herod's such an awesome king to some people that he's called Herod the Great. He builds a giant temple for Yahweh. And so you kind of wonder, like, what? I thought you had your king, Israel, but Israel did not like Herod as their king. Herod was not actually a descendant of David. In fact, Herod in no way was Jewish. And yet he reigned as the king of Israel. And so it's interesting, when the Magi come into this town, they're looking for the king of the Jews, and they come to the king of Judea. It kind of reminds me of a story that I remember growing up with. One of my favorite cartoons was Robin Hood, the, you know, the old Disney one? And there's a story of uh, King Richard, King Richard the Lionhearted. King Richard is actually a real historical figure. King Richard was someone who went on a crusade, and he left England behind for most of his life there. And as he was on his crusade, he had a little brother, John, who kind of tried to usurp the throne. And it was kind of this picture I have of, of Herod and Jesus. Who's, who's the real king? I want to throw, I'll throw a, real, a clip up real quickly of, of that cartoon, because I think it'll help us understand what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Sing of an English king a thousand years from now, and not because he passed some laws or had that lofty brow. While Bonnie Good King Richard leads the great crusade he's on, 
We'll all have to slave away for that good-for-nothing John. Incredible as he is inept, whenever the history books are kept, they'll call him the phony king of England. Apart from the phony king of England. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt the hoedown. The phony king of England. When you think about that, the phony king of Israel. And I, I talk about the, when I think of my own life and I think about my hope and the king of my hope, I want to I ask myself, do I have any phony kings in my heart? Is there anything that I put my hope on that isn't worth my heart? Is there anything in my life that stands as a false king, a phony king, when I should be looking at Jesus? I, I, I begin with, when I look at my, my own kind of sphere and, and people I, I'm, I talk to, and a lot of times I think we put our hope in our leaders, don't we? Like politicians and who we're going to elect next. Yes, we can. We put our hope there. And, and it's not that, you know, even if uh, anyone who steps into that job could never fulfill our expectations. It's not possible for a human leader of any country to ever fulfill our hopes. And yet we think, oh, if we just vote in this person, maybe they'll make us great again. Maybe they'll return jobs. Whatever it is, right? Put your hope in me. Who is calling for you to hope in them? What is calling you to hope in them? And there's all sorts of hopes. Some people literally hope for a king, like ISIS hopes for a king over the whole world, a caliph. We think of the United Nations sometimes. We want to, maybe somehow a governmental structure will fix all this stuff, and, and we're putting our hope and our politicians. And it's not that they don't have a job to do, it's just that their job isn't to save the world. There's only one king that could ever fulfill that hope. Maybe your hope is just in human kindness. Well, we'll get it together somehow, right? As humans, somehow, we just have to let good people keep working at it, and eventually it'll all work itself out. Just trust in, in humanity, humanism. Unfortunately, we hear all the time, oh, humans are just basically good. And then most of us have read The Lord of the Flies. And we realize that in our heart, as humans, we're selfish beings. And guess what? If you got into that spot, it'd be very difficult for you not to become corrupted. 
What's your heart hoping? And you know what? Nowadays, a lot of times we, we, we hope in technology. Technology will save us. We'll figure out how to solve climate problems and wars and stuff. Google's working on artificial intelligence. Maybe they'll get some algorithm will figure out how to, to bring peace. Like somehow, if we just create enough computer programs, enough machines, won't we be able to fix this mess that we're in? Doesn't humanity hope in technology? Isn't there a sense in which we, we just have this picture that maybe someday, even though all our sci-fi tells us that the computers are going to try to take us over the world or whatever it is, so like, well, maybe. Or what else can we put our hope in? Maybe it's in our money. It's like, you know what? All I need to do is make enough, put enough away for my retirement, take care of me and my family, and have my hope there, right? That's what I got. Keep myself safe. It's almost like safety itself is another hope. We put our, our false phony king. We go, I, I just want to make us safe. And yet, you can't keep your family safe from everything. Do your best. Sickness. War. Economic collapse. All these things are out of our control. What are we hoping? Sometimes we just hope in... Maybe I can just keep going through this life, ignore it all, right? Put the blinders on, hope in my entertainment, hope in kind of avoiding it, not looking at it, kind of be able to get myself entertained, come home from work, forget about all the ugliness. Put my hope in escape. Maybe our hope is even our family. That's all, in my own heart, like a lot of times I look like, you know what, sometimes just my family, that's the most, that's my king. And it's not that I shouldn't love my family. It's just that only one king can protect them. Only one king can they put hope in. Because in the end, we all face the same fate. We can't save ourselves from our death. Only one king can save us from the fundamental problem of humanity. Only one king offers everlasting life. And so this king that we hope in, his name is Jesus. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Sometimes we feel like we're the people in England when Richard is away. We're the people in Israel when we have Herod sitting there. We're like, where's our real king? I don't know about you, I feel a lot like the people did in Jeremiah's day. I'm still hoping for this king. I know the king has come, and yet I'm praying, come, King Jesus. Please come back. I need you. I'm waiting in hope for you. We can only hope that the king returns. And I know the world makes fun of us, right? Oh, you're just waiting for Jesus to come back. He'll fix everything. And at the same time, it's my hope, it's my prayer, and I have faith that God has actually raised up a king. He became human flesh, he redeemed us from our sin, and he will come back to us. That's my hope. That's what keeps me going. That's the only way I can, can move forward in this culture. What does it look like to be led by a king of hope? What does it look like when you actually look to Jesus as your king, you put your hope in him? It starts to change the way you look at life. It helps you be motivated to keep pressing on despite the odds. 
like those Christians in Syria facing beheadings, and they, and they, they just continue to claim his name. They cling to his name. They continue to press on despite the odds because they have hope in Jesus. It looks like re- refusing to give in to despair when it comes running into our, our lives in the, in the form of sickness, and the form of tragedy, in the form of um, broken relationships. However it comes to our lives, we, we don't give in to the despair because we, we hold on to some hope that someday he'll be made whole again. Following a king of hope is reminding yourself, reminding others that your hope isn't in the world, that nothing's going to fix this except for our King Jesus. And you know what I want to say in all this? Like, sometimes I know that I'm at the point, I can get to the point of like despair sinking in. And you know what God likes to do? He likes to use others to bring that hope. And so I need you sometimes to bring the hope of Jesus to me. To show that hope. And I truly believe that one of the ways we do this is by looking always at King Jesus as long as we can. Keep centering him, looking back at him. And hopefully his reflection will bounce off our faces and someone will see Jesus bouncing off of us. And sometimes I'm hopefully going to do that for you and you're going to do that for me. And as we live as a community... Hoping together in this king, we build up our hope and our faith and our love and our peace and our joy because we know that God will be back. So keep your eyes on the source of your hope. Let his reflection sparkle in your face. May people see the hope of Jesus in your words and in your actions and your attitude. And as you go about Advent, as you go about Christmas, keep that hope before you, always remembering he is the hope of the world. Let's pray. Holy King, to you we bring our our gifts. We lift up what little measly trinkets we can give to you. And we offer to others and those around us what we can in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for our hope. We thank you as we look around this world and we see darkness, that we see the light and we keep focused on him and that together we help keep each other hoping. Let us not lose hope. Let it shine bright within us, Lord. May you continue to allow us not just to cope, but to have a true and living hope. And so today, we sing, not mope, because Christmas rings with the King of Hope.